Hey guys, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's we going? Going pretty good. So, um, we were talking on the Discord, and I said, hey, is um, are the Dresden Files books something I need to check on? Mm-hmm. And all of the kind folks on our um, Rank and Vile Discord said they're very bad. And I did not listen and proceeded to get and read one anyway. <laughs> Ryan, the Dresden Files books are very bad. So they they actually are bad. I this is all right. The the one Dresden Files book I ever read, I read about half of it, and the one thing I noticed was that he constantly uses like the ex like the the exclamation Christ before anything. Yeah, Harry Dresden is constantly saying the worst lines. Also, what drives me crazy. So another thing is, uh, I thought it was smart to everyone on the discord said yeah the first and the second are utter garbage so so i said i'll just skip to the third <laughs> Holy because shit. that's wasn't... not because continuity doesn't matter so no, the first chapter all. are these two characters talking about their long history together uh so as if that's not bad they're going to bust a ghost named agatha hagglethorn okay <laughs> that's that's a good day when you're busting anybody with the last name Hagglethorne. Yeah. And here's an actual here's actual dialogue from the book. Oh my god, I'm so excited. So Harry Dresden is talking to Agatha Hagglethorne. This isn't your nursery, Agatha Hagglethorne. It's more than a hundred years since you died. You aren't real. You're a ghost and you are dead. The spirit drew <laughs> itself up with a sort of cold, high society haughtiness. I might have known. Benson sent you, didn't he? And and Harry continues to say, Benson Hagglethorne is long dead, Agatha Hagglethorne, I responded, and gathered back my right hand to throw. As is your child, as are you. These little ones are not yours to sing to or bear away, because this is a this is a this is a ghost that's haunting a hospital nursery. And they're uh-huh. exercising it. Oh, by the way, this book is called Grave Peril because it's about ghosts. Fuck me. This is incredible. I, I The bit that I can't get over is you are dead and a ghost. <laughs> like, I you know, like the, the one would have done it. But all right. I mean, I guess cover all your bases, say every iteration of the thing. That's cool. OK, so when the fuck ever does a writer hand their editor a book where a ghost is named Agatha Hagglethorn and the editor goes, yeah, seems fine to me. Yeah, honestly, the the Ag- Agatha Hagglethorn, which, by the way, I think, do you ever, like, hear a name or a phrase that you know your brain is going to be gumming like an old man with, <laughs> like, an old toothless man with an ear of corn? And that's going to be you for the next week, just, you know, in quiet moments to yourself before falling asleep, whispering, Agatha Hagglethorn. Agatha Hagglethorn. Agatha Hagglethorn. Hergatha Norgelthark. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's one of those things that your brain just would, it's going to permutate it into, like, Ragatha Mabelstark. It's just going to be so many. Anyway, yeah. So, well, that's exciting that the Dresden Files are actually as bad as you thought they were. So here's what's so awful. The premise of detective who's a wizard who has a has a like six shooter wand really awesome the fact that harry dresden's best bud is a uh knight templar with an actual factual broadsword so they get out of his vw bug and his friend's like hold on and snaps on a a crusader cape and grabs his sword out of the backseat awesome the fact wow. that there's lines like, hey, Agatha Hagglethorn, you're a ghost. <laughs> Garbage. Hey, Stragatha Giggle Knives. Like, it's just there. Are so, I, it's Okay, how prominently does Agatha Hagglethorn feature in this book? I cannot speak to it because I read Agatha Hagglethorn and said no and turned my Kindle off <laughs> last night. That's legit. I, I think um, my my problem with it was like when I when I first heard the synopsis and read a bit, I was like, okay, so it's like Constantine, but worse. Yeah, Where it's, it's, it's like, so fucking dumb. And I was thinking to myself, all I want is for someone to take this IP away from Jim Butcher and make mm-hmm. it cool. And then I realized 
just now, oh, that's Constantine. Yeah, yeah. It is also the movie version of Constantine. We should do that at some point on this podcast. That movie actually fucking rules is the thing. Like, I'll take your word is, for that. I'm very skeptical of that. Well, no, of course, of course. But mostly what it is is that it has fucking nothing to do with Hellblazer or actual John Constantine. Hey. But you know you know what it is? I think during the Keanu-sance, people are starting to look back at other stuff that he's done and be like, you know what, that wasn't so bad. Yeah, he's, a, he's an upright dude. Hey, do you remember that time that John Constantine uh, tricked the devil into not making him die? That was my favorite arc where it's, yeah, where, like, all of the, the, the demon lords in hell have a claim on his soul, and it's like, oh, the minute he dies, it's going to plunge hell into civil war because they legally, by demon law, cannot let go of their claim on him, so they just have to keep his ass alive forever. <laughs> it's great. Also, when um, he was in prison, they tried to feed him broken glass in his breakfast, but for s- somehow, because I'm a little foggy on that arc... He fed them the breakfast that they were trying to feed him. God fucking bless. I see. I'm such a. I'm such. I'm such a Constantine fanboy because like that was. I think Constantine and Spawn were like Babby's first introduction to sort of dark, cool guy comics in the nineties. Not the um, Crow. Oh, I mean, listen. I saw the Crow, but I didn't read the the comic book version of the Crow until much later. It um. It's very different from that movie. (laughs) Are you telling me no one puts wedding rings into a shotgun and shoots them at a man? That's, I, I will go to my grave loving that stupid movie. Also that perfect soundtrack. Um, the, so the ghoul shit that I've been doing this week, uh, have you, are you familiar with the Amnesia, the Dark Descent? No. So Amnesia The Dark Descent uh, was a really, really, really good survival horror video game as far as survival survival horror games go from uh, years ago. And then they had a sequel in like 2013 called Amnesia colon A Machine for Pigs, Um, which (laughs) are you you sure these aren't Nine Inch Nails albums? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 so close to Piggy or March of the Pigs or yeah, I. I'm replaying it because at the time, uh, Amnesia the Dark Descent, the first one, had these had, like really cool mechanics where um, there are these fucking goofsters wandering in the dark, and the longer you hide in the shadows, the more you start becoming like delirious and start hallucinating things, and your fear starts going up, but you can't, the more you use your lantern, the easier they can see you, and so you have to sort of measure, you know, your own fear level against the using anyway it's it had these really cool mechanics and really good stuff um and then the the sequel uh did not have those things and so uh at the time i was super salty about it and just stopped playing it because i'm like but i don't even you can't you, you don't even have any inventory you can't even hold on to anything and it's like i re i i've been replaying it now and it's made me realize i think most survival horror video games are not good yeah i think you might be onto something with that yeah, because like I, I play them a lot, and you know what it is? I've been chasing the dragon of Resident Evil 4 for the last decade, and everything I play that is not Resident Evil 4, I sort of resent for not being that. Yeah, that's um, a pretty legit concern, because Resident Evil 4, I had to quit playing it because it stressed me out too much. Oh, yeah. Also, the fucking quick time event knife fight. The thing about Amnesia, a machine for pigs, because a lot of the writing is actually very good. It's about this guy, like, so with Amnesia, uh, you play a character who always, like, wakes up with Amnesia, and you start trying to piece together who you are and what's happening and why you can't get out of this building you're in. And in Amnesia, machine for pigs, you play, like, a, a, a late Victorian meat baron who um, you, you you get driven insane by this thing called the Orb, which is basically like this Lovecraftian thing that you pick up in Mexico. And basically what you find out is that uh, you created an expendable workforce of man-pig hybrids um, and sort of just and just torture, torture the shit out of people and just like just sort of turn people into pigs. Um, the thing about it is, while it's a, I, I'm enjoying it a lot, but I also feel like this game is so in love with the people equals pigs thing. Like, it's just like slapping you in the face with a slab of Canadian bacon and yelling, you're a pig. <laughs> and it, and, and it's that, but for the length of like a game. And so, yeah, um, I think I need to refine because the thing is, I don't want to, you know, have a picante take like all survival horror is bad because, you know, what does that say about me if I play a lot of survival horror and I'm like, you know, play better things? 
Is it but not fun? Is it fun? That's a great point. So Resident Evil 7, um, which basically the first two thirds of that game is basically the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and it's wonderful. Um, it's I think when it's fun, it is so fun. But most of the stuff you end up doing in a survival horror game are drudgery. Like you, you're doing tasks wholly unrelated to the story where it's just sort of you're performing home maintenance basically for five hours of gameplay. Um, and I just feel like, you know, we can, we can do better. Like you can tie in the narrative, uh, better. And also going to, I, I don't know, I've got a, I've got a beef with video game cutscenes where it's like, what if this were more like a movie and you can't actually move the characters or do anything really. And you're just like watching a cinematic and it's like, why should, why do games need to look like a worse version of a movie in order to tell a story? Yeah. Yeah. Especially because, um, Earthbound is a thing. So yes. <laughs> you can kind of fuck right on off. Yeah, yeah, fucking, fucking get on Earthbound's level. And that's, yeah, my yeah. problem is every time uh, I hear you talk about these games, I was like, oh, I could play that, or I could just keep playing Earthbound. Yeah, yeah, or play Earthbound, which is perfect and also has a perfect soundtrack. You know, honestly, Earthbound is one of those games that I think I've replayed more than any other game, and there's a good reason for that. Like, it's it slots into exactly the perfect part in my brain for it, where it's just like, I, I feel a state of perfect bliss when I play that stupid game. Yeah, it's so good. Except that because I always name my character Q-Dog, I have trouble relating with other people talking about it because I don't know who their <laughs> characters are. Like, who, I don't know the canonical name of the main kid because to me, it's Q-Dog. See, this is I, I I also did that idiot thing where um, I put in uh, stupid answers for questions like what is your favorite food? Yeah. Because if you put in uh, if you put in shit as your favorite food, when you go back home, your mom is like, why don't you eat some shit and scoot up to bed? And it's also, also, also dicks. Dicks is a good favorite food. Um, Sci fucking. Sai Chapin. It's yeah. Anyway, um, I this is why I shouldn't be in charge of naming things. Um, let's dive into our first uh, movie this week. Which... <laughs> said it so long ago. <laughs> Matt, honestly, the, all right. So the theme for Killer Clowns from Outer Space fucking slaps. It's so good. It is the Dickies. Oh. Oh my god, that's the Dickies? That's the Dickies. It's the one good Dickies song. Well, that's... I it's was going to say, like... the only Dickies song I've ever paid money for, willingly. <laughs> yeah, this is... The Dickies, I feel like they're one of those bands that I sort of am tangentially aware of and don't really think about a whole lot. And then, yeah. They, so, it's They're perfect. literally a band that is on, like, a gajillion compilation CDs I owned... But the only song of note to me is the Killer Clowns from Outer Space theme. Yeah, and uh, at first I, it sounded like the B fifty twos to me. Like the singer sounds like Fred Schneider. He's like PT Bottom said it so long ago, and you're just like, and the other right, guy's going Killer Clowns. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like a nasal kind of Bob Dylan thing going on, and so Killer Clowns with a K from Outer Space. Uh, this movie, so this is a cult classic. Apparently, it's also insane to me that this was ever in theaters. It's hard to think about it that way because I only know it as a movie that I watch while eating Tombstone Pizza. Exactly right. I honestly can't, it, uh, here's the thing. If I found, like, uh, a showing of Killer Clowns from Outer, Outer Space in, like, the like original, like, film... I would obviously go to that because I'm not a monster, but there's there's something about this movie. All right, I'm gonna say a, I'm, I'm gonna say a thing and see if it's true. Okay. Okay. Uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space is the top tier video horror movie, like Video Shack, straight like just renting a, a horror movie movie. I think you're onto something there because I think that it really got its life in home video release. Yeah, and so much of it... Now, all right, so the uh, we should... All right, let's dive into the movie. It's... Uh, there are a bunch of horny teens sort of hanging out in any town USA. Um, and then there is a crash when a UFO that turns out to be a giant tent... Which, by the way, uh, speaking of Earthbound, did you also think immediately of the boogie tent? I mean, I, I, I saw Killer Clowns first... So oh, okay. I does not. That's not how my brain is 
wired, but I right. definitely see where you're coming from. Yeah, and so uh, the, my favorite guy in the entire movie, there's an old man uh, who yells things like, well, I'll be hornswoggled. You're talking about um, Farmer Gene Green? Fuck yeah, Farmer Gene Green and his dog Pooh Bear. Um, old Pooh Bear. <laughs> old Pooh Bear. And he is, it's incredible. I any, any, any horror movie that doesn't have an old man yelling balderdash and will all be hornswoggled can I love get the fuck out. that like the guy, like the cop whose dogs, whose hound dogs run away in the relic, Farmer Gene Green loses Pooh Bear and wigs the fuck out and starts trying to tear a spaceship apart with his bare hands. Yeah, he yells, I will tear this tan apart with my own bare hands. And it's like, this guy cares about his Basset Hound so much, which I recently hung out with a Basset Hound for two days and I get it. I would also <laughs> rip a spaceship apart with my bare hands for Gus the Basset Hound. Um, and it's so... One of the, the clowns, now the clowns themselves, uh, if you have not seen the movie, um, so the, uh, the clowns with a K, by the way, every time we say the word clown, I need you to understand that we're saying it with the letter K and not the letter C. We can't spell it for you, but please know that in my heart I'm saying clown with a K. Um, the, they are giant practical effects covered, they're almost like mascots. Yeah, they're like a mascot suit with a hula hoop waist and a goopy rubbery clown head. Uh, these practical effects are just fucking superb. So the Kyoto's brothers are the uh, director and the directors and producers and also they made the special effects. Um, Charles and Stephen Kyoto have worked on a shit ton of other movies as effects men too. Mm -hmm. And if you yeah, can ever find the old um, DVD copy, uh, there is a special feature where you can actually see the uh, home movies they made as kid, like the Super 8 movies of them trying out effects. Oh. Now, the Kyotos also did special effects for Critters, and the Lost Boys. Goddamn, really? Yeah, and Team America World Police. <laughs> so that's a fucking career trajectory is what that is. Yeah, they've been doing puppet work for years. I mean, it shows. Like, apparently this movie had a budget of like $2 million, and uh, most of that went to production costs. Like, apparently they did all of the wild, wonderful effects in this movie on basically a shoestring, and it looks just fucking fantastic. It's... Phenomenal. I love this movie so much. Oh, God, yeah. And I, they and designed so... the fucking Critters. And actually, what they basically yes. did was they took the Critters money and then were like, now we can do our passion project, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> did you know Listen, they also critters... designed the monsters in Ernest Scared Stupid? God damn. They, so they were just busy as hell from 1985 to 1995. Actually, they're still working. God bless them. I wonder if we could get them on the show. We, that would be a huge get. Um, if anyone yeah, knows uh, Charles and Stephen Kyoto, please um, send us an email at RankinValcast at gmail. We're big fans. Mostly, mostly that episode will just be us uh, talking to them and being like, "Remember when you did Killer Clowns from Outer Space?" and just being uh, insufferable about it because we just love this movie so much. Um, and so Farmer Jean Green, uh, which, by the way, does Pooh Bear the dog get murdered? I mean, Pooh Bear, like everyone else, gets put in cotton candy. That's right. So he gets... Uh, so uh, I love that that sentence to anyone who's not seen this movie is fucking insane. It's completely... Oh my god, this movie. I'm... <sighs> this movie's perfect. And so what they do to, apparently, dogs and also people is that they, like, shoot them with a ray gun... And the ray gun sort of cocoons their body in cotton candy. Which is, in effect, digesting their body, because then they put crazy straws into the cocoons and drink the pink liquid. I mean, that's how spiders eat, is the thing. Like, you're, you're familiar with the, the process by which spiders eat prey? Yes. Yeah, they, they liquefy uh, their prey's insides and then suck it all back up like a milkshake. So... I guess the clowns also do that. The thing is, this movie also puts forward the theory that 
uh, so they they are aliens and monsters from outer space. They are not actual clowns, but they look like clowns. Yeah. And at one point, somebody's like, you know, maybe you know, alien astronauts came here uh, millennia ago, and our entire understanding of what clowns look like come from them. Which, Which is insane. <laughs> getting a little, getting a little fucking, you know, deep and metaphysical. Because for, also you know, in this movie, there is mystical popcorn that turns into killer clowns which also implies that you know proto humans saw killer clown from outer space popcorn and that's how we learned to make popcorn did killer did the killer clowns come from prometheus like it was just the engineer spreading popcorn over a black pool and that's how we get pretty much origin story yeah and so they uh they kill pooh bear the dog and they kill uh the the farmer and then we get introduced to, um, which, by the way, I love that this uh, farmer, he goes up to the tent. He doesn't question shit about what he's saying. He's just like, oh, boy, it's a circus in the woods. I wonder if I can get some tickets. And he's just like, you know, this is fine. I'm out with my dog. There's a giant tent in the woods. I'm just going to see where the night takes me. I'm just going to, you know, stay loose. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. So then we go to make out point. And the Terenzi brothers show up in their ice cream truck trying to sell oh. Horny Teens ice cream. Because you know they, what they... Horny Teens need. Ice cream. It's actually kind of amazing because it's sort of like, so all of these teens are, are you know, necking at the at the makeout spot. They're, uh, you know, make, make, making out. They're, they're doing the French kiss at each other. And the Terenzi brothers... Uh, drive up in their shitty ice cream truck and, and they're like yelling at these teenagers to buy ice cream and they're like yo I'm trying to get my dick wet can you not <laughs> and both of the brothers are like oh maybe we didn't think this one through and it's like you but people love ice cream like yeah not when they're dry fucking in the back of a Pontiac also um, the fact that they do that and then it's revealed that they've also picked up girls because they're like you know what girls like is ice cream and they're like yeah we're not gonna <laughs> fuck you just give us some ice cream and let us go that's what's great is they're like yeah we want to go home just give us the fucking ice cream which i also love this because like girls like ice cream and that's how we'll get a date that checks out as much as it, goes. <laughs> it makes it makes as much sense as anything else i think um, and and so they uh you you know that these fucking yucksters are going to be in the mix for this film um and then so the 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 killer clowns uh who kill people in wacky clown methods so every let's, death let's in... go down the list a clown uh-huh. they have their um they have their cotton candy guns right they have shadow puppets that are able to actually eat people yeah yeah like the uh, one of them does a giant dinosaur and just eats a giant crowd of people at a bus stop they have punch and judy puppets <laughs> that have guns <laughs> They have uh, boxing gloves that they can just straight up punch a guy's head off with. <laughs> they can drive around in invisible hot rods. <laughs> yeah, honestly, the death in here where the guy's like, what are you going to do? Knock my block off? And then he just punches the guy's head off. Um, I love that punching a guy's head off, there's like a pretty big precedent for this in horror movies. Like there's Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan where he just straight up punches a guy's head off. I don't know why that's so funny to me, but it's just this, like, Mortal Kombat style... Yeah, I'm sure this is how you could kill someone. (laughs) Of course you can punch a head off. You just punch them real hard, and their head will detach from their spine. Um, There's... uh, Now, the gnarliest death in the movie... uh, Alright, so... uh, There's a character in here called Officer Mooney, who's played by veteran character actor... John (laughs) Vernon. I love John, John Vernon, Vernon a lot. He's he's, oh, he's yet another actor when he shows up. I'm like, it's that guy. Yeah, he's he's a he's a now we're talking actor for sure. I think that guy pops up. You know, you're in good hands. Uh, and he plays now. There are two cops. One of them is a uh, hunky boy cop, and the other one is crusty fart cop. The thing that's weird is hunky boy cop is so desperate to be seen as as cool for the kids in town, but he's a <laughs> yeah. cop. So it's like, Fuck when, you, will dude. He, when will he learn that he can never be the cool, you know, part of the gang because he's a police officer? 
Yeah, you can't be like the dabbing cop and and hang out with all the kids. Like, if you've got that uniform on, you're sorry, you don't get invited to teenage keggers because you're the thing is that you're a cop. And so he, uh, the so the two main characters whose names I forget. Do you remember the 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 guy and the girl's name? Mike and Debbie. Mike and Debbie. Thank you. And so Debbie, uh, hunky boy cop is Debbie's ex, and he's like positioned by the movie as like a pretty good dude like he's you know he's jealous that debbie has moved on uh to mike who mike the, the actor playing mike is i think the best over actor in this film and that's saying a lot because the scenery is just not oh on like God. the popcorn and um <laughs> candy rocks that it's made out of. Yeah, he is shotgun in that scenery. And so um, so you've got Hunky Boy Cop and you've got Krusty Fart Cop, who uh, is Officer Mooney, as played by uh, John, Vernon. John Vernon. And this guy is just... Now, all right, this, this cop has an accent. I would place as being roughly Poughkeepsie by way of Minneapolis. It's like, wild. He, it's incredible. There's one bit where he... Uh, he says, frig use all. <laughs> There's people uh, calling in to report the clowns. Now, his thing is that he hates the youth. He hates the rock and roll MTV video games. He, he arrests hates... the college kids, and they're like, all we did was leave campus. And he's like, exactly. Stay on he's the like, college campus. Yeah, and he's like, welcome to the fucking gulag, you little shit. And <laughs> he locks them up. And and Holy the fuck. reason why we're supposed to know that Officer Hansen is the good cop is he's like, you can't strike prisoners in custody. And Officer Moody's like, watch me, and beats the yeah, shit and, out of these bunkers. Yeah, and yeah, and they and they are punkers. They are not punks. They're not metalheads. They are punkers. I feel like Alright, tell me if I'm wrong about this. In pop culture, there are characters in movies who are punkers, which is like an adult, like a middle-aged man's imagination of what a punk rocker looks like. Yeah. And that yeah, is exactly, yeah. it, it is safety pins through the years and like a birthday party t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, both of us circa age 19. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so wait, oh my God, were both of us punkers? In our youth? I, I, punkers till death. <laughs> Yeah, true till death, and it's just punker <laughs> nuktats. Um, and Officer Mooney is just—he's uh, a real—he's a real turd in the punch bowl, you know. He's just—he's—he's a—he's a—he's a mean guy. He's a rough customer. He's roughing up these kids. And so the later in the movie, now I—I have—I have a thing with him. He says at one point, um, you know, ah, you're never gonna make a dummy out of me. If you announce that in a film, you're fucked. You are you are getting turned into a dummy. Like that is just going to happen to you. Um, you could you could be in a rom com and say like who's the dummy now, and your body's getting hollowed out and you're getting turned into a dummy. Like that's just don't don't say that. Is the um, dummy scene the scariest part of this film? Now, yes. First of all, yes. Second of all, this is a this movie is goofy as hell. That scene legit creeped me out. Well, they like, say, come on, Dave, we just want to kill you. Yeah, and so what happens is uh, Dave Dave the cop uh, goes back to uh, the police station where one of the killer clowns has uh, turned uh, Krusty Fart Cop into a dummy with, like, rosy little cheeks and, and the, uh, the mouth-moving thing. And, yeah, puppets him to be like, you know, come on, Dave, we just want to kill you. And, um, and it's implied that this is the only way to they can communicate. Yeah, it's the only time that they're not just going... Blah, 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 blah. Like, they, they, they use, like, clown speak, where they just kind of... And it's uh, adorable, first of all. There's one scene in here where there's a family at a place called the... Oh, Big that's Top. probably the second scariest scene in this movie. That scene, legitimately, I was sweating bullets watching that. Uh, so there's a scene at the burger place in town, Big Top Burger, uh, circus-themed, obviously, for this uh, goddamn motion picture. And there's a small child sort of sitting with her family, and her parents are sort of distracted, and they're like, Bah, you've got ADD, but we don't know what that is yet, because it's the 1980s. Eat your slop. And the kid looks out over the window and sees a big scary clown just sort of hanging out, waving, and then giving her the, the come here motion. And he's hiding a giant goofy mallet behind his back. So you know 
the, a this movie is has gotten pretty gory up to this point. So you're watching this going like, am I going to watch a child get splatted with a mallet? Yeah, I think that's after the head's been punched off. So you're like, oh, nothing is sacred in this movie. They're going to splat this kid with a mallet. It's going to, um, you know what it is? Do you ever have that board game with the Play-Doh bugs? Yeah, and um, Splat. Splat, yeah. That was the, uh, God, I loved that when I was a kid because you've got just the little, the hand squish thing that you can just squish your own. Did you ever uh, have the Great Grape Escape? I did not have the Great Grape Escape. So it was apparently in the 90s, there was just a toy companies were like, wait a minute, Play-Doh is very cheap and kids like board <laughs> games. What if we just mix that shit together? So the Great Grape Escape was basically splat, except if you landed on the wrong spaces, it's kind of like mm-hmm. Mousetrap, where there were various plastic devices to mangle your grape pawn. So like... If your wow. grape landed on the saw, like a bandsaw cut your grape in half, or like there was a little plastic boot that would stomp on your grape, or like a little like rolling pin that would roll your grape out and shit like that. It's it's never too early to teach children to be afraid of bandsaws, I feel. Yeah. Just put that into the toy, let them know that death is coming. Hey, why um, why are children's board games so grim? Um, you know what? Thirteen Dead and Drive you push the other player into a fireplace. Jesus Christ. A thing that is real. You know, it's one thing to say, like, oh, I would never, you know, step on my best friend with a giant boot. But... Wouldn't you, though? Fireplaces are common enough, (laughs) and uh, even chandeliers could be dropped on people what the Listen, fuck milton bradley human relationships mean nothing at 13 dead end drive <laughs> that's a society has broken listen you could be in there with your own father but in that moment that's not your father anymore that's just some guy that you need to murder yeah because your face is on the mantle <laughs> and you could win the fortune if you just kill everyone else you gotta ha- listen. You gotta have that killer instinct because if you don't, your friends and family will murder you, and it's it's you or them. Milton Bradley. Um, <laughs> so, the, the 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 mom sees her her kid wandering out and goes, "Hey, get back here and eat your food," but doesn't notice the seven foot tall, waxy murder clown hanging out outside. Like she just doesn't register that this is about to happen. Um, it's, it's just like, if somebody gets murdered by a clown in this town, it's like they just died of natural causes, I guess, where it's just like, oh, sure, sometimes you'll just be out at a restaurant, and then a clown will fucking, uh, wrap a party streamer around your neck and kill you, well, and I like suck the, out your insides from a cocoon. I really like that the pharmacy owner is like, he calls the police, like, first, and he's like, I don't know what to do. They're not committing a crime, but they're also terrifying, and it's like, leave. That's what you should do. <laughs> Yeah, which also, do you remember years ago when there was, like, a spate of uh, creepy clown sightings? I do. Did that ever actually come to anything? So, it's hard to say, because recently, uh, the Tennessee um, FBI, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations, TBI, Mm -hmm. got in Mm -hmm. trouble because they posted about meth gators on social media. Okay. Because they were like, hey, don't flush your stash when we come get you, because we, the last thing Tennessee needs is meth gators. So are meth gators, is that what happens when the gators drink the supply and get all hopped up on meth? Yeah. Modern life has so many ways to kill you, and I just love that you said meth gators. I accepted it out of hand. See, because like, you know they what? recently sure. had to print an apology saying we were just <laughs> trying to be funny. You know, us, the dabbing cops. Yeah, it, look, it's me. I do the running man. And then meth gators, yeah. for God's sake. Like, see, that's that's the problem. Is I completely accepted that meth gators were a thing. Yeah, like, I mean, that, you know. There, there are gators out, gators out here, and they just long for human flesh all day and all night. So this is um, a perfect movie. Let's just put it at number one and move on. <laughs> uh, all right. So how? All right. All right. Are there things that don't work about this movie? Um, what do you think about the ending? That all that you have to do that to kill uh, a killer clown is pop its nose balloon. That 
actually kind of annoys me because I feel like it should be harder to kill these like supernatural cartoon murderers than to just like shoot them on the nose. Also, it's not very satisfying. If we're talking about other pet peeves of this film, which I have to say mm-hmm. I've seen in the double digits now. Um, yeah. How do you feel about the Terenzi brothers fucking those killer clowns at the end of the movie? They definitely fuck those clowns. Um, With their erect all... balloon breasts. <laughs> this, Jesus Christ, I feel like this movie has an ambient horniness that I hate. <laughs> it makes me want to die. Get your fucking clown boner out of my face. I don't want to think about clown dicks. The Alright, so the Terenzi brothers, who are both... These are, uh, so uh, the the ice cream boys from the beginning who are trying to hawk ice cream to horny teens, both of these dudes, you know in any horror movie where there's the teenager guy who, like, he likes playing pranks on people and, like, hiding with a mask and then being like, what's the matter, can't take a joke? And both of them are that guy, but grown up and selling ice cream. They are the worst, and I hate them. And they have no business surviving this motion picture they so all right so the ending of the movie uh it is dave is it dave the cop uh yeah yeah dave the dabbing cop uh and he's on the spaceship and there is this uh the final boss clown who comes out and he's like clownzilla he's just like a 10 foot tall ripped as fuck clown um which you know my toes curled just saying that sentence and Dave, uh, Dave the dabbing cop, uh, sa- heroically, you think, sacrifices himself uh, by exploding uh, Muscle Clown's nose, and everybody else gets away with his sharp uh, sheriff's deputy badge. Yeah, which the 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 fucking symbolism of like stabbing someone with a cop badge, Jesus, uh, and the the thing explodes and everybody dies, except somehow for Dave. And the Terenzi brothers, because they are like, yeah, I was hiding in the cop, I was hiding in the clown car. And it's like, you should be dead. I don't, (laughs) I I don't, I hate that they're alive at the end of this. The body count in this movie, I can't tell if it's a lot. I feel like it's a lot. Oh, it's Um, definitely a lot. Because when they try to take the person out of the cotton candy, it's revealed that there is no person left. Yeah, it's all right. It's this just movie bones. Is, the, I I think this movie for me is the gold standard in like slapstick violence in a horror movie. Like it's the goofiest shit, and I I love it so much. Uh, and then yeah, and then the movie just kind of uh, and then it's over. And then uh, uh sorry, Mike and Debbie. Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh Steve and Nancy. Uh, are standing around uh, after the clowns have exploded, and they're like, it looks like it's all over. And they get hit with a pie. <laughs> because that... why not? Beep, 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 beep. And then that's how the movie ends. Uh, th- by the way, there's also a death in here where a, a guy, is it a security guard, um, gets pied to death? Yeah, he's like, don't you throw that pie at me, and then it's an acid <laughs> pie. <laughs> It's great because he's like, what are you boys going to do with them pies? <laughs> and then they, they just, they pie the shit out of this guy and he melts and it's fucking gruesome. Uh, so yeah, so uh, number one, best movie of all time. Wonderful. Um, all right. But so seriously, where... where do you want to put it on the list? Okay. All right. Well, I mean, I am definitely scrolling up to the top. Let me see. All right. Uh, is this better or worse than the Blair Witch Project? <sighs> That's really hard. So, I think it's better to set a a higher floor, and then it'll be easier because that's pretty high up on the list. Um, another yeah. creature feature that's like a a practical effects film from the same time period is it mm-hmm. better or worse than Tremors? Oh fuck! Okay. Uh, we're comparing um, John Vernon with Kevin Bacon, is what we're doing. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with Tremors. Okay, so right under Tremors is Ichi the Killer. Oh, shit. All right, I think this is better than Ichi the Killer. Okay, why? Friday Night Test. Um, which, and, and that's not to say, you know, like if there's a, a super transgressive, you know, very, very hard to watch movie. 
the Friday Night Test, like, that doesn't mean that, like, Curious George, a Halloween Boo Fest is a better film than Ichi the Killer, because I would rather watch one of those on, like, a Thursday night. Uh, but in this case, I think, uh, Ichi the Killer is fucking hard to get through, and Killer Clowns from Outer Space, I'll, I'll be humming that theme when they bury me. Yeah. Like, I just, I've, I've, I've seen that movie so many times. Um, so I feel like I want to give the edge to that. What do you think? I think you're absolutely right. It's just such a, uh, it's such the aesthetic of the show to the point where when I said, let's do Killer Clowns from Outer Space, I was like, except we've already done it. I think the reason why it took us so long to do it is I assumed it was on the list already. Yeah. I have a Killer Clowns from Outer Space sticker on my laptop. Like, this is, it's, it's one of those movies that you just sort of assume we must have done. Uh, now, all right, all right, there's another thing about this movie. I love that this movie, the thing that for me places this firmly in video rental territory and not theatrical release territory is the amount of movie dialogue. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like stuff that, you know, somebody's saying, wait a minute, let me get this straight. Or are you nuts? Like, there, there are, it's, it's full of, and I love that. It's full of the dialogue that people only ever write for movies that nobody ever actually says in real life. You mean it's full of Agatha Hagglethorns? <laughs> <laughs> it is fucking lousy with Agatha Hagglethorns. Um, what a, God, what a cursed sentence. So yeah, so Can I we agree that Agatha Hagglethorn is the new slang for just like <laughs> bad writing? Yeah, just, oh God, it's a real Agatha Hagglethorn situation. <laughs> I feel like, you know what it is, you write a character called Agatha Hagglethorn and you take the day off because you're like, there's nothing left for me to do. This is the zenith of, of my career as a writer, is that I got away with creating Agatha Hagglethorn. You know, Pizarro um, cried when he made it to the <laughs> Pacific because there was no more land to conquer. <laughs> Look upon my Agatha Hagglethorn, ye mighty in despair. Um, so yeah, so I feel really good about putting Killer Clowns from Outer Space uh, at number 81, underneath Tremors and above Ichi the Killer. Let's talk about Dominique, because I love this movie. Yeah, Dominique is incredible. It's from 1979. It is the one of the newer Vinegar Syndrome releases. Uh, we just got mm-hmm. the Blu-ray. The Blu-ray is a um, restoration of a 35mm print. And thank God, because it has got the most crazy neon colors that I've seen in a movie for a since a long time. Yeah, it makes Suspiria look like sepia. Yeah. Like, it's so, it's so, so much. Um, and so, Dominique, which, by the way, the, uh, the for those of you who are not familiar with Vinegar Syndrome, they are uh, God's angels on Earth. They are uh, in charge of releasing so many, like, hard-to-find, forgotten gems and movies that you, like, I otherwise would never have seen. Like, oh, they yeah. are doing such fucking important work. And, and even so, Dominique... if you're trying to live that minimalist Marie Kondo lifestyle. Have we, as a culture, forgotten Marie Kondo already? Never. I fucking love Marie Kondo. See, I was Uh, just thinking, like, the capitalist machine has just ground her down and spit her out because they couldn't make any money off of her. Silence the heretic! I think, honestly, you know what you know what it was? was just the amount of fucking wank online about that entire discourse because of... I mean, because like of the Kondo, books? Because of Bookgate? Because of the, yeah, because of Bookgate, because somebody out there just desperately needs to hold on to their copy of fucking James Patterson from 1995 because the thought of getting rid of a book you never fucking read and that it doesn't matter, like... It's a level of fetishization that... Now, as someone who, I like... I, I, lo- I like books very much, and I'm around them all the time, and it's part of my career, and I think they're good. Fuck out of here with, like, get get your dick out of that book. Books <laughs> are not that exciting. They're books. Get a fucking e-reader. It doesn't matter. Listen to things on audiobook. Um, or borrow it from a goddamn library. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, go to a library. What are, you, what are we doing? Um, yeah, so Marie Kondo, I, it, it's so weird to me that, like, if you actually look at what she was saying about, like, only have things that make you feel good to have, 
and everybody was like, not in my house, and everybody was like losing their shit over it. Um, but yeah, yeah, the machinery of capitalism had no use for Marie Kondo. But anyway, good news, you can stream Dominique on <laughs> Amazon Prime, speaking of the machinery of capitalism. <laughs> so if you don't yeah. want to buy a Blu-ray and have it in your house, although it's a beautiful Blu-ray to have, because the the artwork is those neon blues and and pinks, uh, you can stream it online too. Oh my god. And so, alright, so Dominique, which uh, uh, is alternately known as Dominique is Dead in the American reissue, uh, it's basically about a really shitty dude. Yeah, who, it's uh, gaslighting the movie. Yeah, it's this guy who uh, is, uh, he's a bit, of a bit of a gold digger, and he's trying to get money out of his wife, Dominique. Uh, and he's just a real shitbird, and he succeeds in... So what, what exactly does he do? Uh, so to he to, keeps to doing minor shit, like saying, oh, you were so drunk last night, you fired the driver. And Dominique's like, no, I didn't. And then she goes upstairs, and the driver's packing his bag. Yeah, so it's just a lot of sort of... And like at it's, the it's dinner him... party... Uh, at the beginning of the movie, she's like, I can't find my brooch. And he's like, you were wearing it earlier. And she's like, oh my gosh, I was wearing it earlier. And then he's like, I can't believe you lost it. And then she goes up into a room and it's been on her dress the whole time. Yeah. And it's basically, I feel like you could, you know, this isn't a genre of movies that to me is like uh, the Stepford Wives or Rosemary's Baby where it's sort of the horror is that your partner is a monster who is manipulating and lying to you and gaslighting you, and also nobody's fucking watching out for you when they should be. Yeah, so Dominique is driven to suicide, and she hangs herself in the um, the garden, the, the, the sunroom, and yeah. then uh, David, the husband, is hyped because he's going to get this windfall inheritance because he put out a huge, um, like, life insurance policy and all this stuff. But the law, the executor of the will says you have to wait until October 31st, your wedding anniversary. <laughs> On Halloween. Before Which, I by the read way... the will and you get it. So you got to wait. And then um, David is haunted by Dominique. Yeah, which, by the way, it's hard to feel... I've, I've realized watching this, like, I, obviously, I, I feel bad for Dominique because it's monstrous and horrible. It's difficult to feel bad for somebody who has a solarium yeah. in their home, you know? Like, if you can... It's like, oh, no, she hanged herself in the gold room that has all of... It, she, she died in the nachotorium that she has. <laughs> or it's like, oh, not the sun room. Um, but so, yeah, so she dies and then comes back and just haunts the shit out of david but the question through the whole movie is is it really a ghost and david's like i don't think my wife is really dead she's alive but all the evidence proves that she's dead but how could she be haranguing me if she's alive because ghosts aren't real and <laughs> this ghost does shit like buys david's headstone and puts his actually has a man <laughs> carve into marble death date soon god that's the most extra shit i've ever seen in my life and i love her like this is and i think the idea what is like you know listen when you engage in uh gaslighting when you when when you uh do clownery the clown comes back to bite yeah really exactly. it's like if you know if you if you uh manipulate somebody and gaslight them uh, don't be surprised if your own perception of reality also gets fucked up by proxy. And I'm not going to spoil the ending because it's actually a pretty good twist. But what oh, yeah. I like about this movie is not the plot itself. It's the aesthetic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's basically if Hammer, you know, made their, their general gothic chiller but also mm -hmm. got into Jalos because it does have, it even has a leather uh, gloved razor blade wielding killer in it. Yeah, it really is a fucking goth, gothic chiller giallo baby. Yeah. And it's I'm incredible. so hyped that that existed and I didn't know about it until Vinegar Syndrome released it. Jothic. Yeah, Jothic. I'm going go to the, go to the Joth Club. Which is the goth club when it's made of denim. <laughs> um, but so, and, and like Dominique. Bell bottom denim and yellow uh, members only jackets. 
That's, listen, there's nothing that says I've embraced death quite like that outfit. Like, you're just fucking prepared for, you're, you're into some spooky shit. You're, yeah, so goth. I, I, uh, without spoiling the ending of this movie, it is so good. And the twist is, like, this is one of those movies that I feel like we should be talking a lot more about as horror fans. Like, this, this to me is sort of, because I feel like British horror for me usually kind of falls short because it's not... It's kind of stiff and not... Maybe I'm just used to American horror and I need tits flopping out, blood everywhere all the time, a guy he get you with an axe, you know. And then it's with a lot of English horror... It's refreshing to see a movie this chaste. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, this movie does not fuck and cannot fuck and it's great. Uh, but yeah, the aesthetic in it... I don't think I've seen a lot of movies that look like Dominique. No, not at all. Um, I'm not going to say it's better than an Argento film, but it definitely drinks deep from that uh, blue-gelled well. Yeah, and I mean, I, I like Argento, but this is... I think I like this movie more than I like Argento movies because I feel like it's actually saying something... So with that, where do you want to put this on the list? Um, right. Because Inferno is like really high on our list. Well, I mean, it's number I think sixty-two. It is. I think. In, I I really really like Inferno a lot. It's my favorite Argento movie. I like this more than Inferno because Inferno is you know it's like that uh, thing about you know do any of the characters in an Argento film ever just like blurt out yo it looks so fucking cool in here. And that's like that's pretty much just Argento. It's like, well, it uh, looks great, and there's atmosphere, but that's that's kind of it. Now, uh, I'm 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 listening to you, but you're saying mm-hmm. that Dominique is better than Reanimator and Return of the Living Dead. <sighs> Ooh, Quincy, was this list of fools, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> have, have we done something foolish trying to rank every single horror movie? Turns out our capricious youth is is rearing its head. <laughs> and are Fuck we going to sit here and say Killer Clowns from Outer Space is better or worse than Dominique? Yo, we're saying that Final Destination is better than Army of Darkness. Like, <laughs> we, we are balls out crazy town with our horror ranking. So fuck it. Nothing matters. Uh, so if I'm ranking Dominique uh, from 1979, I feel like, okay, let me, let me, let me put a thing to you, okay? Uh, if we're going with uh, Forgotten Gems, which is better, uh, Dominique or Orca from 1977 at number 83? Man, Orca is all about how revenge does you dirty and you shouldn't do it. And once you yeah. unbottle that genie, you can never bottle it back. Yeah, you got to dig two graves sort of thing. Yeah, Dominique is... <laughs> Hey, don't gaslight because you're going to get the gaslighter done got gone. Yeah, yeah don't gaslight because then you're going to get ghost lighted. Yeah, which ghost is lighting where the gas. Your dead wife just, just owns the shit out of you from beyond the grave. Yeah. God, the headstone with death date sued. <laughs> like, are we to believe that a ghost commissioned a stone worker? To I mean, do they this? asked the stone worker, who paid you? It's like. Some lady came in with a money order. <laughs> she gave me ghost money. I don't know. And um, and that's the thing is, even though the ending is pretty, puts it more into Jalo category than Supernatural, if mm-hmm. you look at it crooked, you can kind of argue, well, maybe ghosts are real. Yeah. I yeah, think that's it's, why it's, it's, it won't rank high for me is that ultimately mm-hmm. it says, yeah, ghosts aren't real. Right, which to me, like I don't know, I'm I'm down to clown with that. Like if if we're doing this movie where you know a wife who was ostensibly driven to suicide via gaslighting, fucking comes back from the dead to fucking drive their husband crazy, I'm on board for that. I kind of I kind of preferred that, and I was kind of bummed out. Now I will say that number one sixty nine is the hearse, which is nice. another vinegar syndrome lady is harassed by a maybe supernatural entity or maybe just an asshole in a car man and the hearse actually i I feel like is largely in the same genre because a extremely english 
and then B, very much about shitty dudes. Yeah, and but also sticks to landing because the end, the priest is like, I don't know what we're gonna do. We're fucked. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie to y'all. This is gonna, this is this is pretty fucked. We're not ships going down. Um, I all right. So I feel like between the hearse and Dominique, I'm gonna give the benefit to the hearse purely because I feel like. Well, no, actually, now that I think about it, I don't know, Dominique, the way it's shot might actually put it above the hearse for me. Yeah, so, it is, so it is, it is I'm, I'm imagining if I was with you at a convention and you mm-hmm. were at the table and you had both in your hands, right? Which I would, would say buy Dominique over the hearse. I think so, too. I feel like it's it's... It feels like it should be iconic in a way it really isn't, and that's a shame. So I feel like for that. All right, now here we go. Which is better, uh, Dominique or Hellraiser Three, the one with the Cenobite whose thing is that he's a DJ? <laughs> Hellraiser Three. Because <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you, the bit in Hellraiser Three of just three off-brand shit Cenobites going down the street just killing random passersby. <laughs> it's a man it's that's f- killed with a CD. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. It's it's wonderful. Uh, so I feel like for that, I'm going with Hellraiser 3 over Dominique. However, all right, which is better, Twilight or Dominique? Um, Both of which are about controlling shitty men. So <laughs> Twilight is probably a better made. Catherine Hardwick directed Twilight mm-hmm. and did it very well. I, You know what? I, I really like that first Twilight movie. Uh, I think... First of all, also Robert Pattinson is a delight, and so is Kristen Stewart. The dialogue of Dominique is better. It's a more interesting movie. Oh, definitely. I. Hmm. What about the okay. stuff? Is it better than the? Is Dominique better than the stuff? Uh, I mean, I feel like if we're talking about predation by um, shitty men, and then also predation by uh, capitalism, I'm. I want to give the benefit to Dominique for that. Okay, because I, I, I feel like it. I feel like it's a more cogent critique of the thing, where like because I, I love the stuff, but I feel like it's just sort of corporations bad, which is true. But it's like, okay, and the conclusion from that is no, that's all I got. Okay, okay. Um, so hear me out. Christmas mm-hmm. Evil is right under Hellraiser three, and if you recall, oh, that's man. when the crazy Santa gets in a van and drives it off the bridge and just flies through the night yelling Merry Christmas. Because, oh, well, this is also the movie that's, if you watch uh, your mom boning down Santa Claus as a child, you will kill yeah. as an adult. And Dominique is rich people are shitty to each other and will murder anybody if it means they can get their inheritance. Man, which is always a theme that I love in movies is rich people are into some weird shit and also have no feelings or uh, morals. So I submit that Dominique should go right below Hellraiser 3, but above Christmas Evil. Yeah, so I feel pretty good about that. So coming in at our new number 157 is Dominique. Uh, fuck yeah. So Quincy, where can our listeners find us on the internet? Well, we have a very skeletal website at the moment, uh, at time of recording, called rankandvile.com. We are also on just about every social media platform. We're on Twitter at Rankin Valcast. Uh, if you want to shoot us an email, uh, if you want to advertise for the show, uh, send us something to review, um, anything like that, rankinvilecast at gmail.com. We have a Discord server, Rankinvile. We have um, a Tumblr, Rankinvile. If you have a listener request, shoot that to us through our email or send that to rankinvile.tumblr.com in our ask box. Um, Hell yeah. We have a and... YouTube page where you can listen to <laughs> our playlist with Killer Clowns from Outer Space on it. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Um, we also have a Patreon, uh, which uh, if you uh, contribute uh, $2, you will get our wild show notes um, with uh, gratuitous use of pictures and also screaming and all caps. Uh, if you contribute $5 to the Patreon, you will get access to bonus material. We're going to be doing uh, wrestling sh- uh, show reviews. We're going to be doing non-horror movies. 
we are going to be uh, playing tabletop games and and uh, recording those and putting them up. Uh, you're going to have access to interviews with horror creators. Just as much shit as you can uh, shake a stick at. And then also, if you do the uh, the big $25 uh, contribution, and you we will send you... And you only have to do, like, one month. We understand if you want to, like, do it and then drop back down the next month, that totally counts. Oh, totally. Uh, but if you do the $25 uh, thing at any point, we will send you quarterly a box of stuff. It will be full of weird horror merch and wrestling things and handwritten notes and whatever bizarre ghoul shit we can get our hands on to send you. Some stickers um, from as... Wish, very possibly. <laughs> Some uh, plastic homies figurines we bought at the supermarket. Uh, but yeah, so uh, go and check that out. Uh, it's pinned on our Twitter uh, if you want to look at the Patreon and see what's up. Uh, barring that, I think that's all I got. You got anything else? Stay spooky. Later, folks.